Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. Psalm number 51, and we will begin reading in verse 7. And the word of the Lord reads this way. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. This is the life-giving word of the Lord. Pastor and author G.K. Chesterton once wrote, The object of a a new year is not that we should have a new year. It is that we should have a new soul. So here we are again. We're standing at the precipice of yet one more year, if you can imagine that. And in a few days, many of you will be somewhere, Walmart or the store or something. You will write a check. And then you will write 2017. And you'll be like, oh, gosh, it's 2018. And many of you will do that for two or three months until you finally get in the habit of writing 2018. But let me ask you a question. Does it seem like 2017 went faster than 2016? Yeah, it's like crazy how fast time flies. I mean, I wrote a paper last year that, uh, where I had to cite several sources. And uh, one of the sources I, that I used was like from the late 90s. It was like 98 or 99. And my professor, when he read the paper, he said, you know, you did a good job. But he says that one source is really out of date. I'm like, out of date? What are you talking about? Right? It wasn't like the 90s just a couple of years ago. No, it was a couple of decades ago, right? I mean, we're finishing, think about this, we're finishing the second decade of the 2000s, right? I mean, if you think about this, all right, the 21st century is almost 20% done. Like we're like 20% of the way through this century already. How does that happen to us? In fact, a dear friend of mine um, who shall remain nameless um, complained, you know, because they're going to turn 40 this year. And, uh, and, they're, and they're like, oh, I'm not sure about this whole turning 40 stuff. I don't even like the sound of that. And I was like, yeah, I know what you're going through. I mean, I recently turned 40 like six years ago, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually closer to 50 than I am 40. That just really snuck up on me. You know, we, uh, what happens is that, you know, this time of year, it just reminds us that time is moving on. Time has its own pace. It stands still for no one. I mean, one day you have a child, the next day, you know, your child's graduating high school. You know, one day you got a brand new car, and next thing you know, you're putting the fourth set of tires on that thing, right? One day you're the new guy at work, and then the next thing you know, you're the old veteran guy that they're always talking about. You know what I'm saying, right? And, and this is the time of year that, you know, that, that really it just seems like time goes by faster. In fact, um, there are many times that Kim and I, we actually feel like we just moved to Boron, and, but, the, but the reality is, is we've been here almost 10 years now, Right? And, and, and I've been the pastor here for almost five, but it, isn't, it just seems like a blink of an eye. Time just continues to march on, and the New Year's reminds us of that. And it, and, 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 and it reminds us also that, that many of us had some plans to do some things this year that we just didn't get done. How many of you made some plans this year to do some things, but you didn't do them, right? Okay, I get that. Yeah, believe me, I hear, I, I hear of that. I feel your pain. Now, we did get a lot done around the church here this year, but there was more I wanted to do. There's more I wanted to do at church, more I wanted to do at home, more I wanted to do in my own personal life. But, uh, you know, 
I didn't get it all done. And this year reminds me of I still got some things that I need to do. This year also reminds me that there's still some, some growing that we need to do. Right? This, this, this time of year tends to be where we take stock and we reflect and we think about the areas of our lives where we need to change and to grow and to, to fix things. Things that we know that we need to do differently. I mean, you don't have to raise your hands on this, but I'm sure that more than one of you have said to yourself, oh, I just need to exercise more. <laughs> right? Oh, I just need to go to bed on time. Yeah. I need to spend less time on my phone and more time with the people that are actually in the room with me. Right? I need to save money and if you have my credit cards, I need to spend more time with God. We all have areas in our life that we know that we need to grow. And this is a time of year that, 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 that causes us to think about those things. And, and so we write lists, right? We, make, we, make, um, uh, we set goals. We, we make resolutions to change and understand. I think that that's, that's not bad, right? I think those are good things. I think it's good that you want to take some time to think about your life. I think it's really good that, that you want to think about where you're going as opposed to where you are right now. I think it's good that you make decisions to improve your life. I really think it's good that you reflect on who you are right now and the person that you want to be. I think it's good that, that you think through, you know, how much time you spend with your family. I mean, seriously, because not people, oftentimes people don't intentionally think about those things. I mean, I think it'd be good if you spent more time thinking about, you know, how much time you spend with your spouse? When's the last time you went out on a date, right? With your wife or your husband. I think it's good that you make plans for recreation and for health and for fun. That's all good stuff. But I think this time of year is also a good time of year to really think about and to really focus on renewal. Spiritual renewal. Renewing our faith, renewing our commitment to Christ, renewing your, your walk with God, renewing your spiritual disciplines like prayer and Bible reading and fellowship and, and worship. Because let's just be honest, life just gets busy, right? Life gets you know, emotional. Life gets complicated. I mean, there just seems to be like, like, like our spiritual life gets all the leftovers out of the rest of our life. Our spiritual life gets the leftovers of our time and energy. I mean, you intend to get up early in the morning and, and, and pray, right, and spend some time in the Word with God, and then you spend the night in the ER with one of your kids throwing up and having a fever, right? You intend to get plugged into a small group Bible study, and then you're like, oh, I've got to work late tonight. And then the next night, you know, your kid has, like, you know, practice. And then the next night, you're like, I'm just so tired, I just can't go. And, you know, then you're, you're, you're suddenly out of the mood, you tend to get plugged in at the church so you can serve and help, and, but you're nervous, right? And you don't, you don't know what to say to the pastor, and, and you're not, you don't want to talk, and you're not even sure what it is that you can do anyway. And so you take that little connect card that you were filling out, and you slip it back into your pocket, right? And you just forget about the fact that God was calling you to serve in the first place. Or you intend to finally do something about the sin in your life, Right? The sin that you know that you need to deal with. The sin that you feel deep conviction about every single time you make your way into church. Conviction because you know God is calling you to give it up. He wants you to give up your addiction. He wants you to give up those relationships that are not good for you. He wants you to give up that dark secret that you think that nobody else knows about. And you, you know, if you're like me, you'll be like, Okay, I'm going to do something about it. I'm, I'm going to do something about it. You'll sit here and be convicted. And then you will walk out of here and you'll put the notes that you took, slide them in your Bible with all the rest of the 50 notes that you have in there. And then you'll go to lunch and then someone's going to invite you to have a drink or someone's going to invite you to hang out with them, right? Or, 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 or somebody pushes your buttons and you're back in the rage that you were in, 
or you find yourself at home with some unaccounted for alone time and the conviction is gone. You squash that conviction. You medicate yourself against the conviction with your sin. And you then end up right back where you started until the next time you go to church. Your physical life and your emotional life absolutely will distract you from your spiritual life if you allow it to happen. That's why we need renewal. That's why we need to renew our hearts. That's why we need to renew our minds. That's why we need to reset our hearts and minds on God. And and it's not just at new here. This is something we need to do continually in our lives with God. Because if you let life get in the way, I mean, you will. It'll, It'll just get in the way. I mean, all of us, think about this. You know, our relationship with God is like our relationship with other people, right? And relationships with God is a, is, is a personal nature, right? And all with your personal na- relationships, they require time and they require energy. They require a certain level of closeness and a certain cl- uh, level of, of attention. And let's just be honest. It's easy for us to lose track of time, right? Where, where one day you realize, wow, I didn't spend that much time with them this week. Man, I didn't even see that person this month. At all. Man, I've not talked to her in a year, right? We've all experienced that. It's easy for our busy lives to get in the way, right, to where you forget to contact and connect. And, uh, and I know you want to connect, but I mean, you know, you're just so busy and you're rushing around. You're running from one task to the next. You're, you're, you're running from one item on your to-do list to the next, from one fire to the next, one, one emergency or crisis to the next, and suddenly you're laying in bed at night and almost asleep, and you're like, oh, I forgot to call him back. Man, oh, I didn't return that, that text. Wow, I didn't even pray today. I didn't worship today. I didn't even, I haven't spent not any time at all in the Word with God this week at all. Your physical and mental life will get in the way if you let it. That's why we need to reset our minds and our hearts on God. We need to reset our plans and our intentions, you know, and, and focus on Him. We need to consciously stay connected to Him. Because the truth is simply this. We need Him, right? That's the thing. We desperately need God. We need Him more than anything else in the entire universe, right? We need His provision. We need Him to provide for us. You may not realize it right now, but the very next breath you're going to take is a gift that God has given you. You don't deserve it. He, don't, he doesn't owe it to you, but he is providing it to you. The clothes you wear, the food you eat, the, the roof over your head, all that you have is at God's hand. You need God to provide for you. We also need God for guidance because he's the very embodiment of wisdom, right? Every one of us needs wisdom when we make decisions. How many of you ever made a decision in your life that you thought was wise? And it was like, not wise. All right, yeah. All of us, we need God's wisdom. We need supernatural wisdom from God. We also need comfort. We need his, we need his comfort and, and, you know, because life is hard. Right? Let's just be honest. Life is hard. We need his strength because there are times life is unbearable. I've heard some people say that, you know what? God won't give you more than you can handle. That's a lie. That's a flat lie, right? So next time you, you, you want to repost it on Facebook, don't because it's a lie. God will absolutely give you more than you can handle. If you could, if you could handle it, then why would you need God? Right? God just won't give you more than he can handle. Right? God gives you more than you can handle so that you turn to him and depend upon him and lean on him to, to help you. So we need God's comfort. We need God's strength. 
And most importantly, we need his grace, right? We need his forgiveness and his mercy in our lives. I mean, without grace, we're just broken sinners living in a broken world, desperately trying to fill this bottomless pit in our hearts, right? That will not be satisfied and we'll fill it with stuff and, and substances and relationships and, 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 try to, and money and power, whatever, right? And it's just a bottomless pit. No matter what you stuff in there, you'll just continue to grow more and more hungry. Going from one tragedy to the next in your life where you become destined Ultimately, without grace, you're destined to spend all eternity in a state of endless suffering and longing and hunger and pain. We certainly need God's grace. We need, we need God more than anything else in our lives, more than money, more than relationships, more than intimacy, more than stuff. We need more. We need more than air. We need more than power. We desperately need Christ in our lives. And so we need to renew our time with him. We need to renew our commitment to walk with him. We need to renew our hope in him. We need to reset our minds and our hearts. And not just once a year, right? But every single day. We need to continually reorient our lives toward God and reset our minds and hearts on him. Now, that is the what part of the message, right? That's what you need to know. That's what you need to do. Now, let's talk about the how, right? Because how do we do that? Right? How do I renew my relationship with God? How do I reset my mind and my heart on him? I mean, I know I need to, but how do I accomplish it? Well, this morning, as we approach the new year, I want to share with you 10 practical things for you to think about that you need to do as a follower of Christ in order to reset your heart and your mind on God. 10 things that you can do and that you should do to renew your spiritual life with him. And remember, these are not just things that you should do at the beginning of the year. These are things that you should do on a regular basis and keep doing to keep your heart and mind set on God. So turn with me to Psalm 51, and let's read from verse 7. And David says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. This is a psalm of renewal. He says, create in me a clean heart. This is a cry of David. He says, don't cast me out of your presence, right? That's, that's what he says. But what is it that makes a person's heart unclean? What is it that separates us from God? It's sin. It's sin. Sin separates us from God. That's what David's talking about. In fact, Psalm 51, I don't know if you realize it, if you read the very beginning of it, Psalm 51 was written by David after the tawdry affair that he had with Bathsheba, Right? This is his cry to God, restore me. I've sinned horribly. He's in anguish because he knows, right? And so he says, you know, hide your face from my sins. Don't, don't look at my sins, Lord. Blot out my iniquities. He says, purge me with hyssop so I will be clean. Now, hyssop is a weird word, but it's really just a leafy plant that they, that they had in, in the Middle East. And it's a plant that priests used 
for a brush. It just had, it was a really leafy, and so they could just dip it in stuff and use it as a brush. And they used it to dip it in blood, or they used it to dip it in water, and they would sprinkle people with it as a way to help to make them ceremonially clean, right? And the idea that David is communicating, he's, he wants to be cleansed from his sins. He wants to be restored to close fellowship with God. His sin has separated him. So the place that we need to begin in order to reset our minds in our hearts as Christians is to deal with the sin in our lives. Because even believers, all believers will struggle with sin. And it begins with, number one, confessing your sins. You reset your mind and heart with God by confessing your sins. 1 John 1.19 says, if, you confess, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's David's plea. Cleanse me, Lord. Take away my sins. Well, the cleansing begins with confession. The cleansing begins with, with I have sinned against you. I, I have done things that I shouldn't be doing. Right? Even for those who are believers. Right? We, we as believers should confess every sin because we still fall into it. Now you might say, well, why do I need to confess my sins? God knows my sins, so why do I need to confess? Because, yeah, because unconfessed sin lies in the darkness of your heart. You and I both know that you have a tendency to rationalize your sin. We just do. You'll point it out to someone else and say, that's a sin. Right? And then when you do it, you're like, well, you know, it's not the same thing because I got this. And, right? right? Not to mention, we tend to turn a blind eye to our sin. We lie to ourselves. You lie to yourself more than you lie to anyone else. In fact, Jeremiah tells us in, in, in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So who can understand it? We lie to ourselves all the time. Right? And, and you watch every movie. What do they say? Just follow your heart. No. No. Your heart will lead you back into sin. You, you will lie to yourself. Right? We need to confess our sins. Confession is the way that you shine the light into the inner recesses of that dark chamber of your heart in order to expose the sin to the light. That's how you kill the sin, is exposing it to light. But hear me. You need more than just confession to God. Because it's a really easy way out to die. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day and I sinned against you and just right? That's it, you need more than just a pillowcase confession where you just kind of like slide it by God, right? You need, right? You need to confess your sins to other people. James says, you know, this is the brother of Jesus himself says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We need to confess our sins, not just to God silently in our prayers. We need to confess them out loud to other believers. Now, this might sound really uncomfortable, but it's important because confessing to someone else enlists them into your life in an effort to help you. Confessing to a strong Christian is someone that you want on your side to help you through. That's, that's why, that's why we, we confess. That way they can pray for you. They can know what's going on with your life and they can pray for you, right? They know what's happening with you, right? And because they know what's happening with you, then they can pour into your life both encouragement and accountability, both grace and truth. Confession is vital, right? It's a vital way for us to continue to reset our hearts towards God. And then number two, we need to repent. 
Jesus said in Matthew 4, 17, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Acts 17, 30 says the time of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Matthew 3, 8 says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. You see, we need, to, we, we need to confess our sins, but we also need to repent of our sins. We need to turn away from our sins. We need to turn towards God. That's what repentance means. It means to turn around, right? We need to turn away from our sin. Now, you might say, well, hey, Sherman, I heard you say in a message one time that, that repentance means changing your mind, right? That, that when you repent, you're changing your mind. That is correct. That is a, a correct way to ap- apply the definition of that word, but understand, the mind is the center of all your decision-making faculties, right? It is the seat of your rational self. It's the seat of your introspective self. It is the, the seat of your emotional self. It is the seat of your will. And all your decisions and all of your actions pour out of your mind and your thinking. So if you repent and your mind changes and your actions should follow. Paul tells us in Romans Eight, chapter 5, he says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the spirits. Repentance is a change of mind, but it results also in a change of action. When you repent of your sin and you change your mind about sin, it should change how you approach your sin. I mean, the Apostle Paul, before he repented and believed in Christ, he had his mind made up about who Jesus was. He believed Jesus was an imposter, that he was a blasphemer, and that his followers were spreading a dangerous heresy, and he believed that every Christian deserved to be put to death. But then he encountered Jesus, and he repented, and his mind changed, right? It changed about Christ. It changed about about Christ's followers. It changed about who he was in God's eyes. And because his mind changed, so his actions changed. So instead of trying to kill the church, he began trying to plant the church and, and, and cause the church to grow. Right? Instead of, instead of killing Christians, he began loving and serving Christians wherever he went. His, he, his, his, his mind changed and his actions followed. So you need to repent of your sins. Right? And you need to stop loving your sin and start hating it. You need to stop tolerating your sin and become disgusted by it. You need to stop letting sin live in your life and you need to start killing it, right? In fact, that's number three. You and I need to confess sins, repent sins, and we need to be getting busy killing sin in our life. This is another important step for us to take to reset our minds and our hearts on God. Paul in Romans says, uh, Romans 8.13, he tells us, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It's the duty of every Christian to not only hate sin and be repulsed by sin, but to get busy in the activity of killing sin in their lives. We need to make war with the sin in our lives. We need to kill the sin that holds us down. Why? Because sin is destructive. Sin is horribly destructive. It creates separation with God. Sin kills. Sin can kill relationships. It can kill careers. It can kill financial opportunities. It can kill families. It can kill your health. It can kill your life. Right? As the Puritan preacher John Owen once wrote, be killing sin or it be killing you. Each one of us needs to confess our sins, repent of it, and begin to work to kill it. We need to take that sin in our lives and put it to death. Whether it's an addiction, 
whether it's an addiction to drugs or alcohol or pornography, whether it's pride, whether it's envy, whether it's lust, whether it's your, the greed in your life. We need to put sin to death in our lives. And then, number four, we need to walk in grace. You see, we talk about confession and repentance and killing sin. And you might think, wow, Sherman, gosh, it's what's about what I can do. No, actually it's not. No, you need to walk in the grace of God. Paul says in Romans 8.1, there is therefore no condemnation or penalty for those who are in Christ Jesus, who have turned to him in faith, who have put their trust in him in faith. There is no penalty any longer, right? And an important way to to draw close to God and to reset your life is to walk in that grace. As I said, yes, we need to kill sin. We need to repent of it. We need to confess it. But we need to do it fully aware that we are saved by grace. Paul says in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. You're saved by grace. And because you're saved by grace, you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you to help you to overcome your sin. Walking in grace is to understand that you are unable to confess and you are unable to repent and you are unable to kill sin in your life on your own. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in you. Paul says in Romans 8, 9, you, however, are not flesh, right? You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirits. In fact, if, you, if the spirit of God dwells in you, God, the Holy Spirit, will, by his grace, enable you to overcome the sin in your life. And so you just need to walk in grace. You need to walk in grace knowing if you make a mistake that God has got you. Get up, right? Turn to God. Walk in the grace, right? We don't, we don't, we aren't saved because of what we do. We're saved because of the grace of God, we're not obedient because we're not obedient because we need to be obedient to be saved. We're obedient because by the grace of God we've been saved, and out of gratif- you know, gratification, we walk with Him. Now, changing gears, let's look at number five. If you're going to renew your minds and your hearts and reset your lives on Christ, then we need to read the Word of God. You just need to spend time with God in His Word. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The author of Hebrews says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning of the thoughts and intentions of the hearts. Jesus, in Matthew said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you're going to draw close to God this year, If you're going to reset your life on him, then you need to be in the word. You need to read the word. It is through the word of God that you learn more about who God is. It is through the word of God we grow closer to him. It's the way that God speaks to us. And it's absolutely essential to your recentering yourself on God. In fact, let me just be so bold to say it is impossible to renew your mind and your heart without actually reading the word of God. It is impossible to be close to God and doing the things that he wants you to do and living the life that he wants you to live without actually reading the word of God. It's that simple. And I know. I know I sound like a broken record here because I talk about this subject all the time. But you just need to be in the Word of God. 
You just need to read the Word of God. And if you didn't catch that the first time, you just need to read the Word of God every single day. You need to be engaging God in a fruitful conversation every day, being in His Word. Right? I mean, if, if there's anything that you're going to commit yourself to, if there's anything that you are going to make a resolution about, then this should be it. Read the Word of God. And don't make excuses. Okay? Because I know all of you have a Bible. And if you don't, come see me. I'll give you one. So problem solved. Right? And, and the thing is, you might say, well, oh, gosh, man, I'm just not a reader. I hate reading. It just stinks. I just don't like it. That's cool. We live in the 21st century, the second decade of the 21st century, which means almost all of you have a device that you can load a Bible app on. And then if you have the right Bible app, you push a button, it'll read it to you. So there's not really any excuse not to be in the word of God every day. There's not. Open the thing up, push play, and then read a chapter, right? It's that simple, right? Now, not only do you need to read the word of God, you need to do the word of God. You have to do what it tells you to do. Jesus says, if you know these things, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. James, his brother says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. And that sounds like a really strange expression, but what he's saying is this. You know, reading the Word of God and not doing it is like going and looking in the mirror, right? And seeing that you got stuff that you got to take care of and then walking away and forgetting that you got stuff that you need to take care of, right? And so he goes on and says, he says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. It's just not simply good enough to memorize texts about confession, you need to actually confess. It's not good enough to memorize texts about repentance. You need to repent, right? And you need to worship and you need a fellowship. Don't you tell me I love the, I love Jesus and hate the church. And that's why I don't go to church because I'm telling you the Bible makes it really clear. If you're going to do what you're, you're told to do, you need to be in a fellowship or a body of believers, whether it's here or down the street somewhere. You need to be in fellowship. You need to be in worship, right? You need also... To do things like love your neighbors, right? And, and love your enemy. If you're going to reset your life, right? And you're going to be close to God, you need to be obedient to what he says. Which means, number seven, we need to abide in Christ. Jesus says in John 15, verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, right? Unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? Jesus is calling us to stay connected to him in a life-giving relationship, a fruit-bearing relationship. Right? That's what it means to abide. It means to stay connected. It's the picture, right? You have the vine. And then you have the branch that's connected to it. It's stuck to it. It's not coming apart. That's the idea. To be connected with Christ. To stay connected with him. Well, how do we do that? How do we continually stay connected to Christ? We'll do that by keeping our minds connected to him. And we do that through prayer and meditation. 
Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks to all, I mean, give thanks in all circumstances, and for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's the will of God that you stay connected with Christ. It's the will of God that you continually pray to him. Now, you might think, well, how do I stay connected to God and Christ all day long? How do I pray to him? I mean, I can't just sit around praying all the time. I got to go to work. Yeah. You know, I got to get the kids off to school. I got to do laundry. I got to go grocery shop. How am, I gonna, how am I going to sit and pray all day? Well, understand, God isn't expecting that out of you. Right? But he, what we can have is an ongoing conversation with him throughout the day. Where we're mindful of him. You begin in prayer and you start your day focusing your attention on him. And you end the day the same way. And throughout the day, you just keep connecting with God as you go. Lord, thank you for this food. Lord, thank you for my job. Lord, you know, thank you that the kids feel better and going back to school tomorrow, right? Lord, thank you that the internet works today. Lord, thank you that my back doesn't hurt today. Lord, thank you for the fact that there's food in the cupboards, right? You can connect with God all through the day without, through, through prayer, right? And you can keep God fresh in your minds by meditating on him and his truth. David in the Psalms Uh, Psalm 1, 2 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night, which means he thinks about it all the time. Paul even says in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if these, there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Your life is poured out of your out of your mind. If you're thinking about horrible things, then your life is going to be horrible. It's as simple as that. But if your life is filled with truth and, and, and God, your life is going to be different. Meditate on these things. Keep your mind and your thoughts on God as you go. That's the fuel for your prayer life, by the way. And that's the fuel for you to be able to abide in Christ. And then next, what we need to do is number eight, is we need to trust in God. I think this is probably one of the ones that Christians tend to really struggle with, right? They say, I have faith, but then their life circumstances change. They panic and do stupid things because they're not trusting in God. If you're going to have a relationship with God that is robust and connected, if you're going to orient your heart and your mind towards God, you need to trust in him. Right? Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your hearts and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths it's really easy for us to live in our daily lives and look at the world and see all the difficulties and the dangers and the pitfalls and all the stuff that gets in the way and the things the way i don't want them to be right and then try to walk in my own strength we panic we anticipate the future we get anxious We desperately try to fix things that that are beyond our ability to fix. We desperately try to control things that are beyond our ability to control. We just need to trust in God. Whether the sun is shining and all is right with the world, or whether the storm is brewing and everybody's turned their back on you, you need to trust in God. He is sovereign and he is in control. And he has promised to those who follow him that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called According to his purpose, we need to trust in him. We need to trust in him with our future. We need to trust in him with our marriages. We need to trust in him with with all of our needs. 
We need to trust him with everything that we hold dear. We need to stop walking in our own strength, thinking that we're going to solve all of our own problems and not lean on ourselves, but lean on God and trust him. Even when it seems like nothing's going to work out. Otherwise, what is faith but a sham? Then number nine, this is the least favorite one, is we need to forgive. If you want to have closeness and intimacy with God, you need to forgive. Paul says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Right? We need to forgive. Because the problem with unforgiveness is that you store up all that bitterness and all that malice and all that wrath in your hearts. And you allow that grudge to grow and you nurse it and it takes root in your heart and it begins to take over your life. And that bitterness accompanies it and it affects everything in your life, whether you want it to or not, whether you pretend like it does or not. That bitterness will affect your work life. It'll affect your recreation life. It'll affect your home life. It'll affect your life in relationship with God. In fact, you cannot live a life focused on God. You cannot have super close intimacy with God with bitterness in your heart. It's just an oxymoron. It's a contradiction in terms. The bitterness will continually draw your heart and your mind away because bitterness and grudges and hate has a gravitational pull of its own in your life and it'll suck everything in your life with it if you're not careful. So get rid of it. Forgive. Make it a habit to keep a short accounts, make it a habit to forgive quickly. And then finally, number 10, don't give up. Because <laughs> here's the thing. Life is still going to get in the way. Events and circumstances will distract you. You will forget. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall face down into your sin. You're going to battle temptation. You're going to get frustrated you're going to wake up early one morning thinking that you're going to do something good for God and then something in the way gets in the way of that. That's just life this side of eternity. You need to persevere. You need not to give up. You need to fix your eyes on Christ and strive forward every day. Paul says in Philippians 4, 12 through 14, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. I like that. That really identify with that. Not that I've attained this and already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus, Christ Jesus, has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. That's the thing is you fall down, you get back up. Make it your mission to put failure behind you and to strive forward ahead. When you get kicked in the teeth and you roll around on the ground for a minute, pray to God, help me up, and then get up. Right? When you find that you're off center instead of complaining and griping about it, get on center. Right? And do these things. I promise if you do these things, you will be on center. Confess your sins. Repent of your sins. Get busy killing the sin in your life. Walk in the grace of God. Read the word of God. Do the word of God. Abide in Christ. Right? Trust in God. Forgive. Oh my goodness, forgive. 
And never, ever, 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 ever give up. You're a sinner saved by grace. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are a child of the King. You have been removed from death and you have been brought into life. And more than that, you are loved. You are beloved by God. Christ died on the cross so that you can be set free. And you're not only reconciled to God. You're justified, made in right standing with God. Not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did. And not only are you justified, but you are also sanctified, which means God has given you progressively the power to say no to the sin in your life, to grow in holiness. And not only will you be sanctified, but one day we will inherit the kingdom of God and we will live forever where there is no more tears and no more pain and no more sorrow and no more suffering and no more falling down and no more sin. You as a Christian, as a Christ follower, you have a glorious hope to live for. If you are not a Christ follower, then you need to put your trust in Jesus Christ today in him only because you have a glorious hope to live for. So this new year, reset yourself on Christ and make it your absolute mission to stay there. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful, Lord, that you have given all of us the ability to walk with you. You've given us the tools to walk with you. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us, Lord God, to just stop being so prideful and stop being so self-reliant and so stubborn. Help us, Lord, to humble ourselves before you, Lord. Help us to confess our sins, to repent of our sins, and to begin killing the sin in our lives. Help us to read the word and do it. Right. Help us, Lord God, to abide in your Son. Help us to trust you and help us to forgive. And Lord God, help us to never give up on you because you have not given up on us. You sent your Son to die for us. Thousands of years ago, you could have given up on all of mankind when sin entered the world, but you didn't. You made a plan. For God so loved the world that he gave. And he gave what was most precious to him, his only son. Who, because of that love, gave his life for us on the cross of Calvary. So that we will not be condemned. But that we would have eternal life. Lord God, help us to walk in that. Help us to be reminded of that beauty every single day. Help that to be the focus of our lives. Yes, let us enjoy the little things as well. Let us enjoy our families and fellowship and closeness, Lord. But let us enjoy Jesus all the more and have our hearts and minds fixed on him. I thank you for that. And I pray you lift up a people in this place that will go out into this community and share the hope of Jesus with the rest of the world. We love you. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. And please consider partnering with us financially as we share the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ with our community and with the world.